When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Tonight's episode is one for the cryptid fans. Uh, we're diving into some stories that might be unfamiliar to a lot of our fellow conspiracy realists outside of Ohio. You've heard of Bigfoot, you've heard of Nessie, and so on. But what about the Frogman? Uh, we hadn't heard of this until you, Noel, uh, sent along a link in a group chat. I can't remember how I even stumbled upon it. It was just, you know, just your typical day of Googling like we do for the various things that we're looking into and rabbit holing. And yeah, the Frogman. No, I know what it was. It was a podcast that I really like uh, called Range Touch. It's these two. You'd like this one too, Ben. Um, They do a couple of different podcasts. It's sort of like a mini network. One of them is called Just King Things, where they go through every Stephen King book in order of publication. And then another one is about the webcomic Homestuck, which is like this whole weirdo, bizarro, you know, world that's uh, kind of sort of Stephen King inspired. But another one is just their more regular flagship podcast, Range Touch. And they were talking about tabletop gaming and it came up uh, some game they were reviewing that was of like a bunch of different cryptids, like a card game. And they were describing the drawings and all of the different illustrations and the Frogman, the Loveland Frog or the Frogman of Ohio came up and I was like, I don't think we've discussed the Loveland Frog. Um, And he's such a cute little fella. And um, Ben, this led you down more of a large your big picture cryptids of Ohio rabbit hole, but we'll get to the frog. 
We will indeed get to the frog. There's a bit of Lovecraft in here. It's pretty cool. Uh, we've heard about Bigfoot, but what about the grass man? What about the dog man? It turns out Ohio has a ton of cryptids. Legal requires us to say allegedly has a ton of cryptids. Here are the facts. Uh, you may not know much about Ohio uh, if you don't live in the U.S., oh, but it's a big deal. Ohio's awesome. I got a ton of family up there. That's why it's a big deal. That's all you need to know. Done. End of episode. <laughs> it might be considered part of the country that sometimes flies under the radar. You know, you've got your Cleveland, which rocks, you know, mm -hmm. and of course is home to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But outside that, there's not a whole lot of Ohio that really makes the news on the regular. Akron. Akron, Ohio's the best. The Natty. People, people like Cincinnati, people, yeah. Yeah, people forget about Cincinnati. Uh, a hip-hop group, underground hip-hop group I like, uh, is from Ohio. There's there's quite a bit of good hip-hop in Ohio. It's also the seventh most populous state in the entirety of the U.S. Uh, the population is nearing 11.8 million, even with all the, the brain drain that happens in, um, as you called them earlier, the so-called flyover states. And uh, here's a dumb fact. If you want to if you want to be awkward at parties, if you consider yourself an amateur vexillologist, a word we never get to use, Ohio is the only state in the union with a non rectangular flag. So good luck on your trivia. <laughs> is it just what? more squarish? Is it it's, a trapezoid, a rhombus? It's a circle. Oh, man, they really got some trippy stuff going over there in Ohio. No, I did not know this, Ben, and I also was literally about to ask you what vexillologist was, and then you got to it in short order. But, uh, wow, I, I thought, I, is, is it, like, not the rules that you have to have a perfectly rectangular flag, that all flags have to? It's just, it's just one of those things that I think people just typically just do out of decorum and a sense of just, like, this is how it's always been done, that you take for granted the fact that maybe you don't have to. Mm -hmm. Uniformity, right. Uh, it looks, it, it's very strange because I, I'm not sure of the name for it. It's, it's like a triangular pendant. with or, a tail or, like a bird. It's like, like one of those um, baseball flags. Mm -hmm. like what do you pennant. call those things? Pennant, not pendant. Yes, thank you. That's exactly what it looks like. It's like a pennant with the, um, with the abbreviated or attenuated edge cut out. There's a triangle shape. So it's like, it's like a tail feather for a bird. Anyway. You are going to be amazing at a trivia game later, sometime in your life, and we wish you the best. Uh, like Vexillologist, other, you studier of flags or of shapes? Flags. <laughs> okay. okay. Just had flags. to clarify. It's <laughs> yes, sir. Study of flags. I Would geometry be the study of shapes? I don't know. You know shape studier. It's, That's fine. It's certainly the science of shapes, uh, which is not necessarily the same as just like the study and uh, cataloging of them. So who knows? I'm a bit of a shapesman myself. Yes, you yeah. are. I've always uh, said that about you. Well, we could just say we're shapesmen, shapes folk. Anyway, uh, also unrelated, apparently the new word to hate in the English language is the word folks. People don't like folks anymore. It's it's now fast approaching the level of disapproval that people used to hold for moist. Well, they just think it's too folksy. I don't know. Maybe they find it disingenuous, insincere. Yeah. Disingenuous. But I, I always, I think the way we use it is fine. Um, we're certainly not politicians trying to pretend like we're not from Connecticut. Anyway, 
I can spies, see that though. When, when, when a politician <laughs> uses it, they usually are using it in such a way as to make them seem like the common man. Listen here, folks. We're all on the same page, you know, right? I mean, that kind we of stuff. We can all I can agree. Get, we mm-hmm. can all agree that Fabergé egg depreciation is one of the prime issues of our great nation. It's a problem anyway. for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like any other state in the U.S., for thousands and thousands of years, there were tremendously sophisticated, entrenched native populations that lived there and created empires all their own. The earliest records of human habitation in Ohio date back at least 13,000 years. And if we were betting on the odds here, I would say probably further than that. That's right. Uh, It actually dates back much further to the Adena culture, um, who domesticated plants there um, somewhere around 1,800 B.C. This group was also uh, responsible for building something with an incredibly cool metal name, the Great Serpent Mound. Uh, and as the Adena people evolved into, um, they really took this mound thing and ran with it. They became what's referred to historically as the Hopewell Mound Builders. Um, modern day Ohio became home to a lot of these kind of earthen constructs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we said, we don't know how far back human presence in Ohio goes or modern day Ohio, what we call Ohio today, uh, we know that the Adena culture came out of this rich uh, soil of uh, of pre-existing communities. And they did a lot of stuff that the early U.S. ignored. These earthworks are, I mean, look, folks, <laughs> we are in the U.S. South, uh, and I would hazard a guess that Matt, Noel, and Paul, Mission Control, and I have all seen some Native American mounds in person. Is that correct? No, you're wrong. Never seen the mounds. I may have seen them and not known, you know, that that's what they were. Because there's certainly, you know, this just really does, like you said, Ben, and uh, your research, you found the description for earthworks as being sort of a, a overarching term for any man-made earthly, you know, change in elevation. It doesn't necessarily have to be for artistic purposes, right? I mean, it, it can be kind of functional as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be a dwelling. It could be, uh, often they are sites of veneration, you know, and in some cases they are, like we did episodes earlier on mound, uh, on mounds that were the foundations for these great cities, you know. Uh, if you are a fan of Bethesda, uh, the game company, if you played Skyrim, then mounds, uh, you, you've entered earthworks when you fight Draugr. That's what they're called, right? Yeah. Are yeah, they, those are they're, giant they're the tombs. Li- lizard people, right? Aren't they the lizard people? They're the, um, they're the dead, the Viking zombies. That's right. Okay, sorry. I'm thinking of a different class. It's been a minute since I played that game. Sorry, Matt, what were you saying? Oh, nothing. They're, uh, they're places to bury the dead. That's what those tombs are, basically, they're going into. The, some of the mounds were used as tombs, right? Some of them were not, which is a fascinating thing. And the whole reason we're talking about this, about the ancient history of Ohio, is because there are stories that have, that have existed, that have moved down by mouth, orally, uh, through years and years and years and years, centuries. And uh, that's why we're talking about this stuff today, because... There is weird stuff that's happened in Ohio. 
Matt, I have to say, I love the concept of carrying stories by mouth. It just picture, I just picture a bunch of people with their mouths closed, yeah. like full of stories, and then yeah. just regurgitating them all at once, you know? Oh, I think yeah. That's a really cool image. And since the days of antiquity, what you need to know is that human beings have been convinced the land we call Ohio is home to strange and unusual things. Is there any truth to these legends? Let's take a look. Here's where it gets crazy. All right. Again, turns out Ohio, depending on whom you ask, is home to many, many anomalous life forms, including one special returning guest. No spoilers, but one hint. It's encrypted with a great butt. Um, Serious abs. mm -hmm, Lots of cheeks. And before we get to that returning guest, let's talk about the star of today's show, the so-called Frogman of Ohio. Before we even get into this, I just want to point out, too, that the term frogman is one that holds a lot of meaning in, like, spy culture, too. We've talked about this in terms of, like, sort of uh, divers that are, you know, spies or associated with some sort of nefarious clandestine activity, often wearing these green kind of flippered suits and goggles. And you see them in, like, Johnny Quest, I think. They, they appear in an episode of Johnny Quest. But just the idea of being a frogman was referring to someone who was like a kind of a, a secret agent diver type, right? Oh, yes. It's kind of a terrifying concept, right? A frog man. But this frog man, at least from the stories that we have seen, and allegedly there are three main stories of the frog man or sightings, I guess, let's say that we're going to get into here. But uh, it's not really, it doesn't appear to be dangerous, right? It's passive. Yeah, it's a passive creature. It's kind of like when you see... Um, back when turtles were way more common, it's like if you walk past the turtle, if it's not a leatherback, if it's not a snapping turtle or something, you're totally fine. Uh, this the frogman in most stories, uh, people run in, humans run into the frogman, and the frogman is, I kid you not, just vibing, just yeah. hanging out doing Frogman stuff, probably waiting to play an extra in a Hellboy movie or graphic mm-hmm. novel <laughs> or, you know, show up in a Lovecraft adaptation. And For then, real, though, it, like hiding under a bridge or just chilling. <laughs> but not demanding a toll of any kind. Just sort of hanging out and just people watching, you know? Mm-hmm. Frank Reynolds is probably more aggressive to the average human than the average Frogman. No question. Little fella, too, right? Yeah. If you look at the geography, Matt, you made a great point when you say it's by a bridge. Uh, this has this cryptid has been cited in very, very specific uh, geographical areas. And only later did it expand. It's also a pretty new legend. Uh, the first sighting or the first one that's universally reported occurs in the marshes near Loveland, Ohio along the banks of something called the Little Miami River. Uh, To set the stage, there's this place called Hamilton County. And Hamilton County has a place called Lake Isabella in Loveland. And Lake Isabella is part of a big, big park where people go to camp, to go fishing, to, to get on their boats and have a nice boat weekend. One day back in, well, one night back in 1955, an unnamed traveling salesman happens by and he's going by this bridge and he sees three disturbing creatures just again, sort of hanging out by the side of the road under a bridge in many other stories. 
And he says, hang on, wait a tick. Why? These guys are short and they're all hunched over. They're three to four feet tall and they're naked. They have leathery skin. Uh, and I've seen frogs before. These things are like part human, part frog. They've, and apparently he had enough. To, he's either a really great eyewitness or he slowed down and stared at them for a while because he said they have webbed hands and feet and deep, deep wrinkles on their heads. I mean, presumably a whole, a whole uh, a people. This is frog people more than frog man. I mean, I, I'm picturing like a, a Smurfs type scenario where they, you know, there's like a ringleader and then they each have their own individual personalities and perhaps nicknames. But yeah, little fellas, three to four feet tall. Um, like you said, Ben, just sort of hanging out, doing froggy stuff. Uh, he described them as standing upright, being bipedal, having, you know, the head and sh- face uh, of frogs, at least in terms of the shape. Um, and he also described, like you said, web feet and uh, completely hairless. And also, I mean, he says naked, which I think is interesting because, you know, frogs don't really have visible like butts or genitalia. Well, frogs, they do have butts, but not genitalia. So uh, the idea of them being naked is sort of funny. Um, but, yeah, they're sitting on around and under this bridge, according to our conspicuously nameless traveling salesman. Well, we, we should point out that that story is a little different depending on where you find it, right? Sometimes they're under a bridge. Sometimes they're on the side of the road. Sometimes, you know, it just, it depends on where you read the story. Yeah. Sometimes they're in the middle of a game of cornhole. It's just nuts. Because I haven't it's, heard uh, that one. <laughs> it's folk. Well, we just made it. That's the beauty of folklore. Uh, so whenever Playing you say sometimes people say, yeah, uh, this wouldn't like any good cryptid origin story is light on specifics. Like you said, Matt, we do not know the identity of this apocryphal salesman. We don't know the names of specific roads or bridges for this story, but we do know the local lore argues this guy was in the vicinity of a community called Branch Hill. Branch Hill, if you look on you know, Google Maps or your favorite Orwellian surveillance service of choice, you'll see that it is on the southern side of Loveland. And for a very long time, in the modern day as well, the side roads in that area, you know, like your little two lanes and so on, they're not very well lit. So it's completely possible that the guy saw something. Maybe he even saw three odd-looking but very human people and misidentified them. Uh, but this, the weird thing about the story is the cyclical nature. So it happens 1955, right? Or that's when the that's the provenance of the stories is always reported, and it becomes kind of local campfire lore. You know, Boy Scout groups tell each other this. Youth groups tell each other this when they're camping or when they're at their summer camp until 1972 when things get real. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I felt like it was inevitable before one of these was going to get smushed by a car or, you know, shot by a, a hunter. Um, I also picture them riding unicycles for some reason. I don't know why. You're thinking I, the, oh, shit, what up? Meme. That's the one. That's the reason. Me and Casey Pegram's favorite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. Uh, 1972, a Loveland police officer enters the chat. Mark Matthews uh, shot and killed some sort of um, creature of unknown origin. Uh, it appeared to resemble 
something along the lines of a humanoid frog. And WCPO Cincinnati um, summarized the story thusly. Uh, Matthews explained that the first officer to encounter the purported frog man, Ray Shockey, called him one night in March of 1972 after spotting something strange on Riverside Drive uh, and Kemper Road near the Totes Boot Factory in the Little Miami River. And then he's quoted as saying, naturally, I didn't believe him, but I could somehow tell from his demeanor that he did see something. Right. These guys know each other. They've worked together for a while. And so they can tell when something is off. They can tell when something anomalous has occurred to one or the other. So it's worth going in to check it out in person or clock it. In this case, when Matthews hears this report, he doesn't immediately go to the scene. They have other stuff to do. You know, this is also way before X-Files. So he didn't want to, he didn't have a Fox Mulder archetype to play with, but he was probably familiar with the Twilight Zone. Later this month, he's driving in the same area. He's near Totes Boot Factory and he sees something skitter across the road. I shouldn't say skitter. Skitter's a little bit fast and a little bit lighter. He sees something booking it across the road. In his case, it's not walking upright and it didn't climb over the guardrail. That's the urban legend of the frogman. The frogman usually runs away and hops hops the rail back to more amphibian friendly territory. This creature crawled under the guardrail and Matthews is probably thinking, you know, he's got a very stressful job. He's probably thinking, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> and so this is a true story. So he thinks, I'm going to sound crazy if I tell people I saw this strange thing. I need evidence, which is one thing that always bedevils cryptozoology in general. So his quote at WCPO Channel 9 Cincinnati is, I know no one would believe me, so I shot it. And he shot it successfully. He got the body. He put it in the trunk of his car. Bagged it and tagged it. Isn't that so American, though? It's like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't understand it, so I'm going to shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not, it's mean, not like it came at him or anything, or it was any imminent threat. It was just fear of the unknown equals let's murder the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, should we talk more about this? story guys or do we want to move on to the third the third one that was like primary i think it's important uh to point out that he did bring this body to his colleague shockey who had seen the who said who confirmed yes this is the creature i saw and it's a physical body the holy grail of cryptozoology right second only to a living specimen and after now that we put that down Let's pause there, Matt. I think you're right. The first part of the story is something you hear reported pretty often. But as you set up so beautifully, uh, there are there's one other story that's much more recent that people point to when they talk about Frogman. This story, an encounter with a with not one but two working law enforcement officials, is often touted as the most compelling circumstantial evidence for something like the Frogman. However, that may not be the entirety of the story. If you read this in paranormal blogs, if you uh, read this in your favorite coffee table compendiums of strange events, 
you might not have heard the second half. And we'll tell you about that after a word from our sponsors. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back. So let's talk about that body, that that holy grail of a thing that was in the trunk of the officer's car. It was a huge four foot tall frogman. It was definitely um, <laughs> it was definitely not human. The second part of Officer Matthew's story is that he discovered a large iguana. And a, and a big boy, too, a real chonker, about three to three and a half feet long. And he said he recognized it once he had shot it, once he had the body, was looking at it in his trunk. But this iguana had had a real crap life before it got shot by a cop. It was missing its tail. Because if, you, if you're familiar with iguana, one of the things they do as a defense mechanism is they'll shed their tail. Right. So... Something had scared this poor creature or frightened it. He said it was half dead when he saw it anyway. Uh, and then we've got, we've got uh, another couple of quotes we pulled from the WCPO interview. Matthew said he figured the iguana had been someone's pet and then either got loose or was released when it grew too large. Uh, he also theorized that the cold-blooded animal had been living near the pipes that released water that was used for cooling the ovens in the boot factory as a way to stay warm in the cold March weather. This is smart. I mean, that's just th that level of, like, specificity about sort of the perfect conditions for such a creature to survive, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, but here's the thing. Um, 
both officers knew it was in, in iguana, but this is not how stories go. When, when you're telling a story, depending on who's writing it down or listening or, you know, whatever that person's lens looks like, it might change the story that you're telling them, right? Because these officers ended up recounting this story to somebody and then it got a little altered. Or uh, cut for yeah. time, right? Like, uh, like how a uh, television channel will cut a film to remove things that it deems inappropriate. In this case, the paranormal authors clearly decided that they wanted to keep it in the realm of speculation. And it's kind of like, you know what they did? It's kind of like if you were to, if you were to be in charge of cutting a movie and you said, we're going to cut out the part of the movie where the murder is solved. Hmm. Mm hmm. That'd be a bummer. <laughs> a eternal cliffhanger. I mean, I think what a lot of these stories have in common, too, is just like a thing that is out of place, right? That people are not expecting to see, usually under shadowy, literally dark circumstances uh, that allows the imagination to kind of run wild. I mean, certainly this account differs from our traveling salesman who saw practically a group of tiny frog people having a tea party. Um, but I just wanted to mention, uh, I found out about a neat story when I was in Philadelphia this past week. Um, I went to a, an Asian kind of outdoor street fair kind of thing in a park uh, at FDR Park. And a friend of mine um, told me that recently a exotic lizard called a caiman or a caiman had been found living in this lake. Uh, a creature that, you know, could easily be confused for an alligator. And there had been like these kind of urban legends of like an alligator living in this area. But it turns out that it was like something, a pet, perhaps an exotic lizard that somebody abandoned there. Um, And this is very similar, you know, and without information and with something that's unfamiliar, it can really cause people to kind of just have their imaginations run wild. And you start spreading it. And before you know it, you got frog people having tea parties. Agreed. Exotic animals are a huge, uh, huge factor in misidentification of things that later become touted as cryptid cases. But for all the true believers out there, uh, you may be <laughs> it, it may buoy your hopes to learn that misidentification of non-native animals cannot explain 100 percent of the sightings. Matthews gets kind of burned for this. You know, he felt betrayed. Obviously, by an author, uh, he says this was all a big hoax, the way people handled the story, probably for book sales. That's the implication. He no longer does interviews, and he moved to Florida eventually, where people still tried to, tried to contact him for many years about this, because keep in mind, it's 1972, right? And the issue is, the story is so good that people treated it the way we treat all folklore. And he said, let's not let facts get in the way of a good story. And the local community has embraced Frogman to a degree. Uh, also, sightings still, to my earlier point about cycles, sightings still pop up. In 2016, there was a couple playing Pokemon Go, a game I will never trust. Uh, and they were in the area, Loveland, Madeira Road, and Lake Isabella. And while they were playing Pokemon Go, Sam Jacobs and his girlfriend spot something they think is Frogman. At this point, it's 2016. So are they not primed 
to think of Frogman when they see something unusual in this area. They're also props to Sam. Sam is adamant that this was not something on the Pokemon Go screen. He said it's a real thing, not something he was trying to collect. I know the difference between a cartoon and an AR game and a real thing. Yeah, How but dare you're, you? you're talking about priming. There's stories of Frogman. You're playing a game that features creatures that are based on, you know, <laughs> creatures we know of that are altered. It's, yeah, it's a lot of coincidence there, but we do have a quote from Sam Jacobs. I'll just read it for you here. Quote, we saw a huge frog near the water. Not in the game, Pokemon Go. This was an actual <laughs> giant frog. I took a couple of pictures and a video because I've never seen one that big. Then the thing stood up and walked on its hind legs. And he continues. Uh, this is, by the way, credit where it's due. This is from Fox 19 Now. They they broke the story in 2016. But I love, like, he is exercising objectivity here when he says, I swear on my grandmother's grave that this is the truth. I'm not sure whether it was a frogman or just a, you know, a giant frog. Either way, I've never seen anything like it. So Sam is being as objective as possible. And you guys had a chance to look at the, uh, at least a still photo of this, right? Yeah, it looks like a big ass hoax to me. Yep. <laughs> with the with the eyes and somebody in a suit, come on. The the eyes are clearly they're not reflective or you know they they're lights. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. It is diplomatically put not conclusive proof of the existence of a humanoid frog. However, just like uh, countless other communities that enjoy and celebrate their local legends. Frogman is super popular in Ohio. Uh, there was a musical about the creature called Hot Damn, It's the Loveland Frog, which references, again, one of my favorite memes. Oh, shit. it's that boy. What up? Uh, this or here comes that here. Well, he, he's rolling. It's so that boy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. what, what up? up? And yes. he'd be rolling down the street. He'd be rolling to the beat. Uh, that's all I remember. I just know he rolling. Yeah, it's very important. It's a part of modern American literature. So I just want to give a shout out to the fantastic Fringe Festival, which occurs around the world. The Frogman musical, Hot Damn, It's the Loveland Frog, was performed in 2014 at the Cincinnati Fringe Festival. And Cincinnati loves the Frogman to this day, right? Yeah, this year there was a Frogman festival just outside of Cincinnati, and it was put on in March of this year. And I just we ended up speaking to two of the guys, the two guys that organized the thing, and both of them are just fascinated by it. But the cool thing is that there, there are so many people in Ohio that just want to talk cryptids and want to... I mean, because there's so many. We're we're just scratching the surface here with Frogman, and Frogman is cool because of its specificity and it's you know it's unique to this area. But there are so many stories about weird things going on out there. But fellas, what what if we had another type of man? You know, not not a frog variety, but some other one with a similar ring, mm, like a lizard, that. like a lizard no, man. No, 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 something a little more hairy. Perhaps a little furry, a little, little, you know, perhaps the, the man of man's best friend. Ooh, Dogman. Yeah, the Dogman, which is kind of a cryptid franchise. The Dogman right. of Ohio 
uh, first comes to local attention in 1972. For those of us playing along at home, you'll see the early 70s, 72 in particular, big year for cryptids in Ohio. Uh, according to the true believers, this is kind of like a werewolf. Yeah, werewolf adjacent for sure. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Canine-like humanoid, nocturnal, stands upright, so it's bipedal, and it is much more aggro than either Frank Reynolds or the Frogman. Also, I just realized in the lore of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Frank Reynolds deals with the uh, ongoing trauma of being called a frog boy, right? Or oh, donkey-brained, right. uh, his friend Froggy, yeah. light spoilers. Not to mention the day man. And, and the night man, uh, other varieties of men. But I love this detail you found about the dog man. Like you mentioned it being more aggro, but the idea that it's, it's aggro comes in the form of brandishing pointed sticks, you know, or rough hewn weapons, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the stick is the most popular story. And I guess if we look at it from uh, just a, as objective as possible without debunking things immediately. If we look at it from that way, then it proves that this creature is not just bipedal, but possessing of, uh, at least on its forelimbs, it has something like a thumb, mm. digits that allow mm -hmm. it to grasp, which dogs do not, you know? So dog, the dogs that I have met do not, but it's a big world. So <laughs> the dog man is not as popular as a Bigfoot, but the legend does live on. And this is where we want to shout out another thing to Matt's point about the tremendous interest in anomalous organisms throughout Ohio. Uh, there are a lot of Ohio residents who are part of the North American Dog Man Project or NADPUP. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, and they're a really cool ragtag group of characters. A lot of them are, you know, ex-police officers, people who are just down to, like, take care of some dogmen. And if you've got a dogman sighting, they're going to come out there and they will help you, uh, I guess, capture footage or an actual dogman. Like David Becerra, whom we interviewed a number of years ago and continues to run Expedition Bigfoot here in Georgia. Uh, their team is available 24-7 all year round. Just reach out. Uh, they would love your reports of sightings. They're kind of like a MUFON for Dogman specifically. And uh, also found a Google Map overlay that shows a ton of um, alleged or suspected dogman sightings throughout the North American continent and down into uh, down into a bit of Central America as well. It's worth checking out if you're interested. Uh, it's also a little more popular now than an older cryptid that is in Ohio, in Delaware, ranging up to Massachusetts. The Puck Wudgie which is unfortunately not a name for a Girl Scout cookie because it sounds very much like the name for a Girl Scout cookie. It just immediately conjures images of a squat little duck-like creature. I don't know why. And I know we've talked about the Pugwudgie before. Was that? No, you know what it was? It Wasn't it our um, our metaverse thing? Did we talk about the Pugwudgie in the, in the, the, the game? For world? certain. For certain. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, these things are weird. These things are weird. Uh, ben, I've seen them described a couple of different ways, but uh, how would you describe a puckwudgie? 
Having not knowingly seen one myself, the tricky thing about these, this is common in a lot of Native American folklore as well, is that they are shapeshifters. I want to give a shout out to author Teresa Bain in her work, Encyclopedia of Fairies and World Folklore and Mythology. Definitely, definite must read if you're a fan of folklore. Uh, she notes the Pukwudgie is a two to three foot tall goblin or gremlin-esque thing. It's a shapeshifter, but it often assumes the form of sort of a, a human porcupine, <laughs> a porcupine. That's pretty awesome. Pukwudgie. See, they seem to sort of possess siren-like qualities, you know, in, in their ability to sort of lure people to their death. Um, but, but also occasionally are ascribed the ability to, whether it's organic or through some weapons, I guess, launch poisonous arrows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Darts. Yeah. Porcupines also can't launch their quills. What? That's a myth? Again, I'm playing Diablo 4 right now, guys, and there are definitely Pukwudgie-like creatures in there that shoot their spiky spikes at people. Okay. And Diablo 4 is just, you know, <laughs> you gotta take that as fact. That's the paragon of reality, yeah. It's basically this generation's Oxford English Dictionary. Last thing, have you guys seen, you know, obviously there's all this uh, air quality issues in New York because of the wildfires in Canada, and uh, it's been yep. making the rounds, somebody posting a billboard that says, welcome to hell, New York, and it's the Diablo image, and in the background, it just looks like a nightmarish hellscape horizon. Yep, yeah, that, I saw that one as well, and at first... I didn't get it, uh, but boy, good luck to everyone in New York, in Canada, most particularly in Norway, where the fire's uh, consequences are also reaching across the Atlantic. What would the Pukwudgie make of this? Well, the Pukwudgie probably wouldn't care too much because as so often happens in these ancient stories of running into near human creatures, once upon a time, Relationships between the humans and the Pukwudgies were pretty dope until humans did some sort of transgression and the Pukwudgies soured on them. So if you meet a Pukwudgie in the wild, it's probably not going to help you. Uh, there aren't a ton of these sightings in the modern day, but you'll find no shortage of amateur um, archaeologists or cryptozoologists or authors claiming to have encountered them numerous times. Again, the tricky thing is this is an entity that can change its shape. So, therefore, if we're playing the thought experiment, it's completely possible, if you are listening to tonight's show around other people, that the thing sitting next to you appearing to be a person is, in fact, a puckwudgie. Be cool. Be cool. Shapeshifters are neat. But, like, really untrustworthy. You know what I mean? Come on, just be yourself. And the thing is, this is something we've talked about in the past with Australopithecus and with uh, the legends of wild, hairy hominids that are around in almost every culture on every continent except Antarctica. It's the, the theory that fascinates at least me so much. I want to speak for everyone. What if these stories somehow date back to actual encounters with early Homo sapiens and early relatives of Homo sapiens. The geography here might appear super wrong, right? Because most of those relict populations of uh, 
mixtapes or relatives of Homo sapiens, they were in the African continent, the Middle East, parts of Europe and Central Asia. But I don't know. Did you guys see the news about the new stuff uh, discovered just recently? Homo Nalati, they're called? No. Naledi? It was pretty awesome. Isn't it just like one of the oldest versions of a pre-Homo sapien population that was uh, creating art? Is it art or what were they doing? They were, yeah, they were purposely carving symbols. So purposely carving with meaning a hundred thousand years before what we call humans even picked up the brush or the, uh, you know, crush the bugs to make the dye. So the point is we, we are learning as a uh, society more and more about the ancient past and DNA research already kind of proves that there are a couple of other relatives of homo sapiens have yet to be discovered so maybe that's part of the explanation for the puck wedgie but if we're talking about these weird primates excuse me i don't want to denigrate them if we're talking about these near human non-human primates then of course we have to intro another one ohio you see has its own version of bigfoot it's not the dog man it's not the frog man it's the grass man We'll pause for a word from our sponsors, and then let's go into the deep grass and see what we find. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So, Grassman, uh, is it like a puckwudgie? Is it a grass that walks around? That would be so cool. A walking marijuana plant? 
or like a he who walks behind the rose kind Ooh. of uh, children of the corn thing. I always loved the mythology of the children of the corn. I, I found it genuinely chilling and listened to the audiobook of the story recently. But that's one of those ones where the, the franchise just kept on franchising when it should have mm. stopped long mm. ago. <laughs> they spent a lot of time uh, sketching out the character of Malachi. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, short stories make for great adaptations. I I really, I, I love that one. I love the the lore of sort of a weekly godlike entity, which is a way you could describe something like Cthulhu, you know, Cthulhu, excuse me. Uh, so the Ohio Grassman, a.k.a. the Minerva Monster, is sort of a one-to-one description of Bigfoot lore with a few key differences. Yeah. <laughs> what I've heard is that it's got longer hair. And, and it smells worse. Uh, yeah, it smells worse. And it was found in grass. So rather than seeing but Bigfoot in the woods, which is highly common, or things that would be described as Bigfoot, the landscape has changed. That's one of the main things that uh, that Jeff, one of the guys I spoke to who, who did the Frogman Festival, he said it's really just a landscape thing. And and the longer hair is the only, really the only discerning factor between this grass man and Bigfoot sightings. And interesting in comparison to another possible subspecies of Bigfoot, the skunk ape. The grass, the grass man doesn't smell as bad as the skunk ape, but the skunk ape uh, or swamp ape has adapted to its environment also. Well, once again, though, I'm going to bring up the walking marijuana plant thing. I mean, skunk, people refer to that's a, that's a term that gets thrown around a lot for weed that smells really strong. You know, the grass man. Uh, sorry, I, I, I yield my time. I think these are all just hippies and ponchos. They're smoking a lot of weed, hiding out either in grass or in the woods. That- ghillie suits, maybe. <laughs> ghillie a good suits. ghillie suit would a hundred percent make you look like uh, look like something, some kind of cryptid similar to this. Also, Is that one uh, of those like luau type grass, like a like a suit version of a grass skirt, kind of. It's a specific type of camo. Got it. it looks oh, really, yeah, yeah. Okay, really I'm picturing cool. it. Yep, picturing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you see it uh, if, in fiction. Hopefully, you never see them in real life, folks. But in fiction, uh, in in action movies, you'll see snipers wearing ghillie suits so that they can lay around for hours until they need to get that shot a hundred yards away or something. But uh, also, how about cannabis chimp? Uh, we'll see if that works out. <laughs> a chimp would be a little too short for this. Uh, but still. This is almost like this goes back to native tribe, native community folklore about wild, hairy, human-like creatures dwelling deep in the wild. It wasn't until the 1800s that reports of sightings began to get more attention from uh, the United States at large. Okay, I think we should pause for a second here to say We know, especially for our fellow conspiracy realists who consider themselves a bit more skeptical, we know that this might all sound silly, but you have to remember, we were able to trace down the origins of a couple of other things that were treated like myths. I'm I'm thinking particularly, Matt Noel, of the Siteka. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. Another another reason to redheads get a bad rap. Yeah, uh, we have a whole episode on that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And we're a- in that episode, we were able to trace back through the folklore 
uh, to some archaeological discoveries that appear to confirm not all the rumors about Siteka in the legends, but we're able to confirm there was a population that is more than likely the origin of those legends. And they were regular people. Yeah, and speaking back to like folklore, often in fairy tales uh, and, and horror, science fiction, fantasy, uh, giants are often depicted as being cannibalistic. <laughs> I mean, think about Jack and the Beanstalk. That giant's going to grind your bones to make his bread, you know? Oh, yeah. That, that, that is part of the legend of the Siteka. Fee-fi-fo-fum, indeed. Yeah, there's another version of Grassman and and these like types of Bigfoot called the wild man of Enon 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 I think is how you'd say it it's in Ohio it's a very similar one longer hair does kind of the same thing lives in the same places but it's only in Enon and I think the specificity of it is what makes it feel special especially to a small town like that mm, and also the idea of for last thing with the Grassman the idea of Creating nest or habitations in tall grass uh, is quite similar to the um, the sleeping patterns of gorillas, which also create nests, right? Lowland gorillas in particular, I'm thinking of. We, we know that the answers to these things, the origins for these things are out there somewhere. We just can't assume the answers are 100% what we expect. Uh, there is a returning guest here that we promised for everybody who was treating this like a trivia game. Who is the cryptid with the best butt around? Who is the cryptid with abs for days? You know him. You love him. He's Mothman. Yeah, and, yeah. According, yeah, and according to uh, True Believers, Mothman uh, took some time and traveled to Ohio. He, boy, did he ever cometh. Um, he's got like a nine pack, man. Seriously, serious business in that region. Well, it's it's really interesting to me, like talking about Ohio and Mothman, because the the primary thing, right, the event that started the whole Mothman sightings was the collapse of the Silver Bridge, right, and which which is a bridge that crosses the Ohio River. So it goes from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, into this small town. In Ohio, so I guess if you if the bridge is the primary place of the event, then it makes sense that both I guess sides of the river would have sightings if there really was something going around there. And there are a ton of sightings on the Ohio side. There's even uh, because of that bridge collapse, the uh, the names of the people who died in that that horrible accident are on the Ohio side. Right. Yeah. And this is this is something that you can you can see in action the next time you're in that part of the world. Now, will people universally say, yes, I believe wholeheartedly in Mothman? No, almost certainly not. But will they all be familiar with it? Yes. Uh, and it's always worth the time, if you can, to get out in the field and uh, check out that stuff firsthand. We'd love to hear if you have some insight on Mothman or any of these cryptids. And as, as we said at the top, we are not getting to all of the very fertile cryptid soil here in Ohio. So we want to hear your experiences. Shout out to Bessie. Shout out to any other number of urban legends uh, and local folklore we didn't get to. With any cryptid episode, we want to end by pulling together a few 
incredibly important threads. Actually finding these organisms. Yes, okay, it's true that cryptozoology is not highly regarded in the world of academia. That's not us. That's just how other scientists treat this pursuit. And it's true that we often look at folklore being confused for hard science, you know, as we ask all the time, where are the bones? Where's the feces? How do they interact with other creatures in a given biome? But the cool slash terrifying part it's also true that now, more than at any other point in human history, we are, as a civilization are best positioned to discover new species if we act now. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. And yet, uh, one, one thing that I think we all run up against with these things is, why isn't there more evidence? You know, why, why, why are these the stories always so tenuous and, and vague? And, and come from multiple reports that all kind of dip. It, it always seems more like a historical game of telephone than actual species that are undiscovered. But I, I'm, I'd love to see, I'd love to find out about more. Because that's kind of what it is, right? I mean, they're just stories. That's why it's so fascinating. And you, you can't prove it, so you hope to prove it. I think that's why people are so into going to these conferences why there are things like the north georgia bigfoot conference that exists i mean that's just why or monster fest in ohio and tv producers of course love a search for bigfoot because it's guaranteed to go on for seasons i want to go back to that earlier point i was attempting to make the human population is everywhere. Surveillance technology is growing ubiquitous if something has not been discovered yet it is more likely now to be discovered and this moment will pass. It is a brief moment. We are coming to you amid Earth's sixth mass extinction. If you are a cryptid hunter, now is your time. Get out there. Find what you can. And please, please, please tell us about it. Uh, again, shout out to Monster Fest in Ohio. And shout out to North American Dogman Project. Shout out to you. We can't wait to hear what you think about this. Are there cryptids out there? Um, on previous shows, we've said they're most likely to be discovered in the depths of the ocean at this point. Um, maybe some relic populations in very, very small corners of remaining wilderness. But what's going on in your local neck of the woods? When you walk into your local restaurant or your VFW or hangout spot, what's the monster they talk about? Let us know. You can find us all over the internet. We're Conspiracy Stuff on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok. Yes, we've got a phone number. You can call us, 1-833-STDWYTK. It's a voicemail. You've got three minutes. Give us a cool nickname. Please let us know if we can use your name and voice on the air. A uh, quick shout-out here to that Jeff Craig guy who makes a thing called Map in Black that is an entire map of the United States with cryptozoological sightings on it, pinpointed. And then on, if you flip the thing over, you can look at it and see, like, alpha, in alphabetical order, where all these cryptids have been seen and what type of cryptids. Really, really cool stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah. If you don't want to give us a call, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com.
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.